Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Today's episode, I shall be yet again diving into another trilogy of films for you today. Unlike last week's episode with my special guest, Spencer Anderson, I shall be looking specifically at three films which are one solid narrative that is presented throughout all three. Arguably, there is a narrative that runs through all three of the East Rail 177 trilogy, but they are definitely three separate narratives. This trilogy of films, though, however, is much more singular and it directly, each of them links on to the next one as we get to the end of each film. And we do see, obviously, two subplots in the background, which are kind of separate stories in themselves, but they're connected to the singular narrative which we are experiencing for this trilogy. And the films that I'm going to be talking about today are based on the R.L. Stein. So R.L. Stein, he's the author of the Goosebumps books, and obviously he those books were turned into the TV series and those two films with Jack Black in them. But he is the author of the original books that these films are based on that I'll talk about today, and that is the Fear Street trilogy of films, which consists of Part 1, 1994, Fear Street Part 2, 1978, and Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Now, of course, like I just said there, we are covering three decades, three separate eras, so the 90s, the 70s, and even the 1600s. I'll get into those a little bit more in a moment, but first of all, remember, keep following us on our social medias for more shout-outs, polls, other bits and pieces, opinions. So, let's get started on these, and a little disclosure warning for everyone. Spoilers ahead, so if you have not seen the Fear Street trilogy, please do not listen any further. Pause this, watch the films, come back, listen to me. If you don't really care about spoilers, or if you want to take the risk anyway, you have been warned. This is your spoiler warning. But from now on, let's get started. So let's break it down into part one. So just to give you a little bit of a background, really, on these films and the circumstances, it's set in in America... And there's these two rivaling towns, Sunnyvale and Shadyside. Now, Shadyside is the one that we're going to focus on the majority of the time through this trilogy. And that's because, as you can tell by its name, Shadyside, bad things happen there, dark things happen. And it's where our story begins and ultimately ends as well. Uh, Sunnyvale is like the super shiny, squeaky clean version all idealist Americans want. Uh, And... Shady Side's the darker underbelly of things where, in this case, murder and bloodshed occurs. In the opening of this film, we see part one, 1994. We open up into an American shopping mall, so Shady Side Mall. Um, I hate saying that word, it's a shopping center basically for anyone who <laughs> doesn't like American words just as I do. It is showing Maya Hawke, the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke, who of Stranger Things fame recently, she starred in the season three of Stranger Things, and I believe she's going to be in season four as well. She opens up the film, and she's presented as like this bookstore worker. She's closing up for the night, and somebody comes along, a guy called Ryan Torres comes along. He's dressed up in a Halloween costume of some sorts, Skullface, and he becomes known Skullface later on. And he's quite a perfectly a bit of a bit of a douchebag, but he's a perfectly innocent guy. And then all hell breaks loose because all of a sudden he just flicks and switches to this murderous serial killer, and he starts killing Maya Hawke's character Heather. 
essentially the film goes from her murder. Her murder is sort of the opening of this film and the communities of both Sunnyvale and Shadyside come together at this big vigil where ultimately things come to blows. The two different sides of these two opposing schools come together and yeah, hell breaks loose in that respect because they don't like each other. They have a great disliking for each other because Sunnyvale are always acting like the sort of snobby ones, as it were, compared to Shady Side, where murder and bloodshed occurs. We see the vigils led by uh, police sheriff Nick Good, who will become a little bit more relevant later on. And we meet our characters Dina and Josh, who are brother and sister. We see them. Josh is actually on an internet chat room discussing the slasher events of that night where Maya Hawke's character Heather was killed. He starts delving into the history of Shadyside and the murders of Shadyside. Uh, Dina gets involved, his si- older sister gets involved as well. There's a bit of a drama between the character of Dina and this Samantha Fraser or Sam, who are a couple. Um, but Sam is a more of a closeted lesbian compared to Dina, who's more out there and is accepting of who she is. Whereas Sam's not quite on board with who she wants to be yet. Uh, like she's a little bit scared of who she truly is then shall we say but then basically an accident occurs car crash with sam in the car as they're attacking a bus that some sunnyvale students are attacking a bus with shady side students on and they crash into this area where somebody called sarah fear is buried now allegedly sarah fear there's loads of rumors going around that she is a witch and that is the sort of the mythology behind fear street is that sarah fear spelt f-i-e-r i think i've got that the right way around um she is the reason why all the bad things happen in shady side because there is a curse that she placed upon the town and that is why they are experiencing so much bloodshed and they've experienced it for 300 years since 1666 since sarah fear was hung for witchcraft back in the days when that was the thing you explore why it all happened in part three of the trilogy but part one for now she's just this myth and the kids start believing that it's actually real and it might be a possibility that witches actually exist and that she placed this curse on the town and created a town full of murderers for 300 years but this is called Fear Street, obviously, because it's F-E-A-R. So a little bit of a play on words there. And there is actually a Fear Street named after Sarah Fear, which you do see later on in the trilogy. But you know, little nods here and there. We slowly, it's a little bit like peeling back the layers to find out what is going on. Because in my opinion, so just to sort of, that's where things go. And lots of murder happens with this um, skull face. And we see apparitions and ghosts of previous murderers of shady side so we have an axe wielding guy with a bag on his head like a sack brown sack on his head he looks very creepy he's from actually from the 1978 film so part two and he is joined by a singing girl who's very creepy called ruby lane from the 1960s i believe as well and then you've got yeah, uh, several other creepy people there's somebody who's got this weird like gas mask on as well it's very very creepy the film is drenched in blood from sort of once the get the, the story gets going then we start to see these murders happen and it's a lot more of a detective sort of mystery kind of vibe then because the kids are doing this exploration of what's going on when i saw the, tra- the trailer for these films originally i thought 
Mm. Particularly the 1990s Paul Shaffer. Oh God, this seems like a like another attempt at Stranger Things. Stranger Things, that was particularly season three, I would say as well, because of the neon drenched moments in the trailer and the, the colours and such. And I, but then I realised, oh, it's a bit more bloody, it's a bit more violent, so it's maybe aimed at a more adult audience. But at the same time, it's not. Because it's more grown up and mature because of the blood content and stuff like that. But at the same time, it very much is still in the same vein as Stranger Things because of the teenagers going out to seek the danger and finding out the cause of trouble that's going on in their town. So really, it's just, you know, I know Fear Street came way before Stranger Things. Uh, in terms of the books, I would say, anyway, or around about the same time, I think, in terms of some of the rebooted material that R.L. Stein provided. At first, part one underwhelmed me a little bit in places. I like the aesthetic, the start, the cold open, and I love the way the titles at each beginning of each film come up with Fear Street, and then they add the 1994, 1978, 1666. I really like that, the cold openings at the beginning to sort of draw you in i really enjoyed those 1994 is very much the setup for everything and you don't really understand like why things are happening you just know people are running away from things and to be honest that's probably quite in tune with the slasher genre anyway because you get this feeling that people are running away from something they don't quite understand we don't have time to ask questions but the point of the fear street trilogy is you're meant to ask questions and i think with this one it's I don't know, if you enjoy seeing people get murdered in all sorts of weird, wacky, and quite frankly scary ways, you will enjoy this, if you're a bit sick in the head like that. But I would say that with 1994, it's very much more emotional than any other type of horror slasher type film, because we actually get we get to see this relationship between a closeted lesbian who doesn't really know, well, I say closeted, she's closeted to start with, she's a little bit more accepting of herself as the films go on, but... Sam is not very accepting of what she wants to be yet. She is boxing herself into what other people want her to be, particularly her mother. And you've got all that general coming-of-age stuff happening. And that's what the, the tale really is of these three films, is a love story between Dina and Sam. And ultimately, by the end of this film, again, spoilers, I've already said this before, but spoilers ahead, Sam ultimately becomes possessed by part of the devil i suppose because behind all this is the devil itself and you know witchcraft is all awry with this entire trilogy but they fight off these all these different killers i think a highlight from part one i think it's just the bit set in the in the shopping center in the american shopping center i just think that they are so reminiscent of stranger things season three that's why they look so good on camera the content wise was a little bit i I don't know, the supporting cast, I would say, I can't remember the characters' names right now off the top of my head, but the supporting cast were really good, really strong. Um, I think they they got killed off in the end, by the end of the film, so we got left with just Dina, Josh, so the brother-sister, and Sam, uh, Sam being possessed by one of the demons. And we see this trio left at the end of their wit's end, and they end up discovering in their research uh, about the events of previous murders, including the inception of this, the Sarah Fear being hung for witchcraft back in 1666. And they also look into 1978 case, the Nightwing Massacre, where basically at a summer camp in 1978, a load of kids were killed and campers were killed by a axe-wielding murderer who 
walks very much like <laughs> like Jack Torrance in The Shining. I have a feeling that was the inspiration when they said direction. Walk like Jack Torrance. <laughs> but um, that is, you know, and that sub-story is the focus of one entire film. Because there's a character who, in the younger years, in the 78 section, is played by Sadie Sink. Again, another Stranger Things connection there. But Sadie Sink is playing a character called Ziggy Berman, uh, who's got an older sister called Cindy Berman, uh, who ultimately meets her bloody, gory end, along with many others who were victims of the Nightwing Massacre. And with this, Josh and Dina, because they need help to end the reign of terror that Sarah Fear has apparently put on the town, they go to see Ziggy, or as she's known, C. Berman, at her house to get advice. And they basically, she tells them the story. And that's basically the point of the second film, is we see how Ziggy survived. Uh, we get to see a younger version of the sheriff, Nick Good, who is in love with Ziggy and he's like a camp leader and he really learns to care for her and there's several hints I do think I feel like part one it was very much impulse thrill like you don't know much about the backstory like I think if you compare it to Halloween it's not as good as Halloween obviously but like Halloween you don't get as much of a backstory of why is he like this you know you don't delve too much into the mind of the killer you just know that these things are happening but then fear street on top of that part one asks the questions and we unlayer these things in part two and i feel like part two to be honest as a standalone story is a much better film if you like your slasher films and you just like mindless bloody violence and all that and i think the 70s because it's so closely associated with halloween the exorcist the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all these great slasher horror films of the era. I feel like that's why it has that edge. And, you know, it's set at a summer camp as well. So, you know, again, Friday the 13th vibes as well. You get that similar aesthetic there. I just think that 1978, you've got a little bit of a core relationship. That's the thing with all of these is that each film has a disruptive relationship uh, pairing then, shall we say. In the first one, it's Dina and Sam who are trying to work out their differences and see if they can work as a couple with Sam coming to terms with her lesbianism. And then in the part two, it's more of a sister relationship where we get to see Ziggy and Cindy sort of bond again after becoming a bit more strained in their sisterly relationship then. Whereas part three then goes back to the romantic side of things where we actually see Sarah Fear back in 1666 along with a girl called Hannah Miller and it it mirrors Dina and Sam's relationship in a way uh, the way it does in the first one and I kind of like that parallel between the two it's very good I do like that but I, I thought the fact that they had to use the actors in part three so they used the 90s actors so the person who played Dina and the person who played Sam to portray Hannah Miller and Sarah Fear. I get that the idea is we're meant to be linking all of these things together and by the end of part two, you know, Dina ends up being sort of experiencing the past and Sarah Fear's experiences to learn the ultimate truth when she tries to reunite because Sarah Fear had her hand has her hand cut off. So that's the reuniting of the skeleton hand with the rest of the body then makes Dina experience these newfound sort of 
bits of knowledge then, the truth that Seraphir wasn't actually behind all of this. And I'm not, you know, I'm spoiling this here, but I'm not going to go into too much detail because I feel like you guys should watch the films just to discover for yourselves. I won't spoil the ending too much, but I know that you know, the reveal of who is involved, but you'll have to sort of wait and see and watch it yourself just to get that punch at the end. But I do think, you know, using the actors from the 1994 segment and also you see Sadie Sink again as in the tiny role as well in part three. I think it's slightly confusing in some respects. It, I get that it's meant to anchor your audience in to be like, oh yes, she's experiencing it through her eyes and she's seeing people putting faces to people that she doesn't know, making the situation more familiar then. But I, I don't get really why they had to do that. So I think part one, 1994, the stylistics of it all was quite good. You know, the aesthetic and the look, the neon, blood-drenched stuff. It was all, you know, if you like mindless slasher with no real thought behind it, it was good. But I think the writing was a little bit messy here and there. But it did set it up a, okay to a degree, for them, me to understand the next stage of things. Part two, I think, is the best one. 1978, that is the best one, because whilst, yes, you have tail-end bits at the beginning of the film where you ask the question of, oh, how did you survive the Nightwing massacre? Then you go back in time and you see it. And then the end of it, you link back up to the present day, as it were, to lead into the next film. I just think the story as a whole from the 78 portion was just really honestly so good. Like, it didn't drag. For me, the first part partially dragged, partially didn't. I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted to know what happened next. I was intrigued, but it was much more like emotional spats here and there and a thing of survival then. The... Second one is very much more in tune with the slasher genre, and I preferred the, you know, the cinematography was really good because, yeah, it was so reminiscent of stuff like Friday the 13th and Halloween even as well, because I just really enjoyed every single moment of that, shall we say. 1666 is a completely different kettle of fish, though. 1666, so part three, at least the beginning, so the first 40, 50 minutes of the film, uh, it's dedicated to how... Sarah Fear was outed as a witch and got hung for witchcraft. Basically, what happens is she, in a way, she is responsible, but she's not. So she, the long short of it is, she is in love with a girl called Hannah Miller, as I mentioned before. Uh, the townsfolk blame that unnatural, because at the time that was seen as unnatural then, unnatural relationship and sinful act as a reason why bad things had happened to the town. And, you know, we see all these, like, the status quo set up with all these people that are living there, including ancestors of Nick Good, the sheriff, in 1994. And, you know, you see him in 78 as well. But I think you see all of these moments collected together as an intense mini-drama, as it were. And I feel like the beginning of 1666, because it was so world-buildy and, like, relationship setting up, it felt a little bit more of a, like, a back step then. It was a backstory that was explained and we don't really need to see all of, the, all of it really, to be honest with you, because I felt like it was too dramatic in places. And I don't mean like, oh, it's not, you know, it should be more silly, but I feel it wasn't great in respects to, like, I thought we were about halfway through the film and we still about, I mean, we kind of were, but I, 48 minutes in, I thought, I thought we were a little bit further in than that. I thought... How is this going to conclude? How are we going to make it back to the 1994 segment where we'd been left off in the cliffhanger of part two? I just really 
didn't enjoy the having to wait then shall we say like it was a tad too dramatically played then in places compared to some of the others where it was like so quickly paced and so fast and I don't know, bloody then. <laughs> this one was much more slower, but I think it was more terrifying in the sense of the emotions it portrayed, so I do understand why it did that. We see Seraphia and her relationship with Hannah Miller, and she does read this incantation, she says something, she interferes with this you know, this witch, this the widow as she's known, and she ends up, um, she ends up, you know, we think that she's the one that's caused the problems, but it actually turns out that all along, a specific character, who I'm not going to mention, is actually the reason why, so took over from the witch and has killed the witch and became made a deal with the devil, then, shall we say, and has been plaguing since then the town for 300 years through generations of people. I think it, that part of it I really enjoyed. I love the twist. I love finding out that little connection there, especially after watching the film from start to finish across three nights. I think it really helps actually if you watch these films back to back. It doesn't have to be in the same day, but try not to leave too much of a gap between. There are the recaps at the beginning of each film on Netflix anyway, but I feel like you should watch these fairly consecutively because otherwise I think you'll just lose it and you will lose the momentum. But that's all I really have to say on the content really. It's all shot really well. Part one dragged, part three, the beginning dragged much more than any of the others but then obviously there's the <laughs> it's funny because within part three there's fear street 1994 part two it was a, a strange thing to see a part two to something you'd already seen and you know, obviously we continued the story going into the next phase of things and seeing the resolution of the film but literally 1666 the third film it's literally back in time to explore how Seraphir was executed and why and yeah we do discover that she's not entirely responsible for everything that's going on well she's not really and she gets more of a conclusion to her arc as this named character that we thought was really evil to start with but we learn the truth and that's the words that haunt throughout this the truth will be coming for you I will stay with you the truth will be coming and I I don't know I was a bit I would say I think you could have easily cut down on part one from 1994 and you could have made it a two-part thing. I could see how these films would be easily made into like serialized drama then. We could make this into a series like Stranger Things. You could have hour-long episodes and in a way they kind of are. They're hour and a half, hour and 47 films and they are like TV episodes are on Netflix nowadays anyway where episodes are up to an hour long. I mean, Stranger Things, its longest episode in season three, I think was about like just over an hour, an hour and five minutes, I think. So it's following Netflix's formula. And I just, I feel like the Camp Nightwing Massacre is the best one. And I love the apparitions though. That's the other thing I'd love to say is the apparitions of the ghosts. So we've got a character called Ruby Lane, um, the character Tommy Slater, who becomes the axe murderer of the bag over his head in the 78 section i really loved him i loved all of those bits and i loved in part three particularly at the end where we do get sort of a showdown with our main characters sort of like side characters that aren't dina then all coming together to trap all of the killers in one space to sort of come together and use their bloody murderous techniques <laughs> to kill the bad guy that is in this film 
though that aesthetic of seeing all these ghostly apparitions of murderers coming together in one big force is it's terrifying but it's very epic in the same sense as well i love the 1666 mythology but i wasn't a fan of the pacing it could have been a little bit better but that's just my opinion really i overall i would give this probably three and a half stars probably because i i'd give probably each of them a ranking so part one i'd say three part three i would give two and a half to three i mean the ending is good but i didn't wasn't a fan of the beginning opener where it's a little bit slow for my liking and the weird casting choices of putting that why well, we couldn't just see the people that would be the actual faces of those characters then i mean i suppose it's saving money and it makes it look like dina's seeing things to help her understand as well as us but i thought it was a little bit off really as especially when we kept going between seraphia's face and dina's face even though dina was seraphia it was a bit weird but then part two i would wholly rate four stars i would because you know it's not without its problems because you know it's got the 1994 sections at the beginning and the end which sort of distract from it but as a standalone story set in 1978 a slasher film like any other i really love part two I feel like if you just watch the Netflix recaps and ignore the cliffhanger ending, I think you could get away with watching part two just on its own. Because I think that it really, really sells itself as a standalone slasher. I love it. So from me, part two, 1978, the Fear Street trilogy is the best one. The resolution is good. I like that. And there's a bit of a cliffhanger towards the end of part three, which I do enjoy as well. And there's some really good solid character moments here and there throughout the entire series. But yeah, I'd say part two is the highest of them all. Part one and three are the lowest, really. The 90s and I didn't really feel like I was in the 1990s other than the, the reference to AOL and the internet and stuff, but it didn't feel 90s y. Whereas the 70s episode, because it's the summer camp, I actually felt like I was in the 1970s. And the music as well. The music choices in that were really good. I, I love them to pieces. So that's all I have to really say on that note with the Fear Street trilogy. I think if you want, if you want a bit of soft slasher, then because it's not scary, I just think the story is there. There's a there's a story. There's a fluid narrative. And I don't think you, you're not going to be scared by, obviously, if you don't like blood, you won't like it. But I wholly think you should watch them just for the experience and continue to watch them in like one, well, not one go, but maybe consecutive nights then. So you've got a bit of a break, but I wouldn't leave too much of a gap between each of them because I think you'll lose the momentum. So overall, I would say as a trilogy, I would give it probably three and a half stars as a trilogy as a whole, but standout performances from Sadie Sink brilliantly again like she does in Stranger Things but she was really good and held her own in this in part two specifically and 1978 Fear Street is the best one in my opinion what do you guys think if you guys have seen Fear Street or any of them at all yet or you're really big fans of it or you really don't like it you know let me know your opinions on our social media page did you enjoy it do you have a particular favorite film is there a particular character you enjoyed seeing progress throughout the trilogy or just one film specifically let me know thank you very much for listening guys so without a doubt that's a wrap on take 97 a film podcast the fear street trilogy edition of the podcast and i will see you on the next episode which will be 
a little bit more bloody as well because it is Halloween and I'm excited to see you guys with a very special guest and thank you very much for listening once again. See you later, guys.